following audio is from St Nick's Durham. As a church, we exist to love God, love people and love Durham. We hope that this sermon will serve you well as a supplement to your regular Bible reading, prayer and participation in your local church. For more information about St Nick's Durham, directions or resources, please visit stnicks.org.uk. Our Bible reading tonight is from 1 Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, and we're reading the first 16 verses. It's headed, Paul's ministry in Thessalonica. You know, brothers and sisters, that our visit to you was not without results. We had previously suffered and been treated outrageously in Philippi, as you know, but with the help of our God, we dare to tell you his gospel in the face of strong opposition. For the appeal we make does not spring from error or impure motives, nor are we trying to trick you. On the contrary, we speak as those approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. We're not trying to please people, but God who tests our hearts. You know, we never use flattery, nor did we put on a mask to cover up our greed. God is our witness. We were not looking for praise from people, not from you or anyone else, even though as apostles of Christ, we could have asserted our authority. Instead, we were like young children among you. Just as a nursing mother cares for her children, so we cared for you. Because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. Surely you remember, brothers and sisters, our toil and hardship. We worked night and day in order not to be a burden to anyone while we preached the gospel of God to you. You're witnesses, and so is God, of how holy, righteous, and blameless we were among you who believed. For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. And we also thank God continually because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as a human word, but as it actually is, the word of God, which is indeed at work in you who believe. For you, brothers and sisters, became imitators of God's churches in Judea, which are in Christ Jesus. You suffered from your own people the same things those churches suffered from the Jews who killed the Lord Jesus and the prophets and also drove us out. They displease God and are hostile to anyone in their effort to keep us from speaking to the Gentiles so that they may be saved. In this way, they always heap up their sins to the limit. The wrath of God has come upon them at last. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Andrew. Let's pray as we begin. Gracious God, we realize that we're not able to either speak or to hear without your help, without your spirit. And we just pray for your spirit to come upon us, to come among us, to be with us, and to lead us out as we hear your voice. Your voice. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, I should introduce myself. I've not been, not stood up here for a long, long time. Um, my name's Andrew Trigger, and I'm a, a worshiper, regular worshiper here. I wonder, do you like to have everything organised and sorted, 
Or are you someone who is happy just to go with the flow, even if the flow gets a bit turbulent? Are you stimulated by success and inspiration? Or are you someone who faces and copes with risks and uncertainties and confrontations and setbacks? Whatever your reaction to those questions, most of us would agree if we have to go through crises and challenges, as well as victories and successes, it is good to be part of a supportive and encouraging team. We've seen it in the ups and downs of Euro 2020, and we've seen it also more recently, are seeing it in the Tokyo Olympics, where you get people who are struggling, people who are suffering huge disappointments, injuries, and somehow feel that people crowd around, their uh, teammates crowd around and support them, and families getting behind them, and somehow that is a way of getting through real difficulties, as well as being uh, a tremendous help when people are celebrating as well. It came to me also a lot while I was reading the story of Paul and the Thessalonian church and the letters that he wrote to them. Because this is about people who are encouraging one another and building one another up in the face of difficult times. We can hear the story in outline if we read Acts 17. We can overhear and piece together some of what is really going on there by reading the letters that were written to the church in that city nearly 2,000 years ago by Paul. The experience for Paul included hard travel, it included preaching and debate, it included opposition that was sometimes very violent, but there were exciting times too of real communication receptivity, conversion that seemed to make a difference to the lives of the people who received the message, a difference that overflowed to others. And, and Paul speaks about it there, about how delighted he is to see the way that people have overflowed, that the witness, the, the love, that the, the sense of what they have come to faith in that has, has just overflowed into the lives of others. Now it's a few weeks since we last visited Thessalonica in our series so I hope you won't mind if you were here and have a photographic memory or whatever kind of memory it is and you remember all that happened before if I just recap a little bit. Paul is writing to a new group of Jesus followers in Thessalonica, a leading city of the Roman province of Macedonia. It's on a major east-west communication route with an important port, so it's a real kind of proper city with lots of coming and going, lots of people coming by sea, by land, and so on. It was a flourishing multicultural city with people giving allegiance to many different philosophies and gods, especially the, uh, the powerful cult honoring the Roman emperor. But there was also a standout community of Jewish people with their unusual commitment to one God. There were rich and poor, there were free and enslaved, there were no doubt honourable people, and we are told that there were also bad characters in the marketplace. 
Now, Paul had come with two companions, Silas and Timothy, from Philippi, where a church had started. And in Philippi, there had been amazing demonstrations of the power of God in spiritual liberation, in conversions and baptisms. But there had been dramatic events also, including an imprisonment, beating, humiliation, not to mention the odd earthquake. At Thessalonica, Paul and his companions started in the Jewish synagogue, having just left Philippi after all this, came to Thessalonica and they went and proclaimed and expounded, explained the good news of Jesus in the synagogue and got a good response. Not only Jewish synagogue members who knew about the prophets and the Psalms and so on, but even wealthy, influential citizens of Thessalonica who came to the synagogue out of interest but were not really from a Jewish tradition. Now, as a result of all that was said and so on, suspicions were aroused, complaints were made, and it caused such a stir that in the end Paul had to leave. Um, he had to leave the city very suddenly to avoid a, a charge of trying to overthrow the order established by the might of the Roman Empire. And you can imagine how that led to all sorts of talk. Uh, you know, what was all that about? Really, um, it was it, some of this was based on Paul's talk about the rule of God and Jesus as the king, another king, people said. He preached another king, one Jesus. And uh, people could say, well, yeah, what's all that about? What was he actually really, um, what's he on about? What was he after? Was he, what was he trying to get out of all this? And maybe others were saying, well, okay, now we can all settle down now that he's gone. But there was now a serious community, a community of serious believers in Jesus but it was a very new group. The little team of Paul and Silas and Timothy was probably only there for a few months at the most and not really very long to establish a new group of Christians in their new faith in such a hostile environment, especially after such a start. So the letter to the Thessalonians appears to be a letter of encouragement in the light of some good news that Paul heard about how the church had got on since he had left. So, do you see what this means? Paul's team, Paul, Silas and Timothy, that was the, the Thessalonians' first experience of followers of Jesus. So how they came across to people was really important. Not just what they teach, but how they live. And you know, the first thing I notice is that Paul doesn't just say, look at me and how I am. Imitate me, follow me. No. The letter is quite clearly and specifically from Paul, Silvanus and Timothy. And although it's no doubt mostly composed by Paul, the language throughout the letter 
except for a couple of personal references in chapter 3, and then another one right at the end, is all we. He, come, he, he speaks as a voice of the team, the group, about how the three of them are together in the ministry, showing how they care for the people that they've left behind. They are different people, they're different personalities and backgrounds, different gifts, but all of them are in some way modeling or something of how a Christian can be. So what's happening here? How does this team encourage people when they can't be with them? And how can we support people in trying times? Well, first of all, there's a lot of reminding goes on. I don't know if you noticed in the reading how often the letter says, you know, and let me remind you of certain things. Let me remind you of what we, you were taught when we, when we were together. Paul takes the Thessalonians back to their initial response, how they came to faith. And it's a good thing in times of difficulty to, or pressure to revisit the first, what first caused you to respond to Jesus. Then there was some stuff about how the apostles be behaved. Because it seems that there were people being very cynical about the motives of Paul and the others. They were asking what they were getting out of, of their work in the city. Why did they come? What were they trying to do? It's very easy for a powerful personality with a strong message to get a real sense of power and then the temptation can slip in maybe quite slowly and subtly to use that power for underhand and selfish ends. So Paul reminds them what really happened. Think back, he says, to what we really said and did. Getting back to the facts. These days that's really important and it can sometimes be quite hard. Focusing on, yeah, what do you really remember about what went on? So there's that reminding that went on. But then also there is a lot of modeling. How does a follower of Jesus live and behave in a community of new believers? Well, there are some standout things here. And you, if you go back and read the passage, you may find others. But I'm going to focus on a few big ones. And the first one is about motivation. Paul here says, our aim, our aim is to please God, not working from selfish ambition, not seeking personal gain or power. This kind of single-mindedness means personal integrity, teaching in accordance with personal life. If our aim is to please the Lord Jesus, then we're less likely to be swayed by casual public opinion or by hunger for personal power and personal um, accumulation, as it were. It's always really refreshing when we meet someone who is sincere and what they say and how they live really match up. 
And apparently this is what the church could see in Paul and Silas and, Barn and, uh, and, and uh, Timothy. So there's motivation. What was it that was motivating? They were wanting to please God and that was what, that was what actually controlled everything else that they were doing. And that was a model for the Thessalonians. And the second thing that I notice is, it's a big thing really, but it's, it's love, it's care. Love for God, overflowing in care and concern for people. Sharing with them good things. I love that expression. We shared with you not only the gospel, but our lives as well because you had become so dear to us that is an amazing model of christian witness it's an amazing model of evangelism it's amazing amazing model of just christian living being ready to share the gospel but actually being ready to share with people our own lives being open and honest and and giving if there's one thing to keep in the back of your mind whenever we're talking about discipleship or at the front of your mind actually let it be this giving sharing the gospel sharing our own selves that's how we express our love so paul shared and the and the team shared good news but they also lived in the real world with integrity and they were showing how God's people live. Not sponging on their followers. So that led them to work in some job in order not to be a burden. To prove that they were not there to make money out of it. But were there because of their concern for the people. And all the way through... Paul uses personal family images of children, mothers and fathers, brothers and sisters, in order to talk about the way, about the love and the care and the compassion and the, the way that people can be together, they can work together, they can share together in a family. How uh, a father can, can encourage, can bless, how a mother or uh, how, how parents can care for children. Uh, and, and being like children also, listening just being sharing as a part of a family. So this leads on to the fact that another thing we've had, we've had motivation, their motivation in coming, wanting to please God, their love, wanting to share themselves and, their, and to share the gospel. And a third thing is encouragement. And this kind of flows out of the love, really, doesn't it? One really important expression of love is in community is encouraging encouraging people to press on to live well even facing tough times and they were facing tough times uh, later other parts of the uh, other parts of the of the letter talk about the, the issues that they were facing the opposition uh, the challenges and and don't forget they were a young uh, inexperienced church in the ways of 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 being a christian as it were but he says, uh, we thank God continually. No, um, 
we were encouraging. We, 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 we dealt with you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. And the fourth thing that I think they, that this team models is trust in the gospel. Paul and the team came to Thessalonica from a tough time in Philippi, but they still had their message to share and their boldness and their faith had results. And now the Thessalonian church was facing trials. It was facing difficulties. But as uh, Paul says, they, uh, they faced, they, they, they had responded to the Gospels. The Thessalonians had responded to the Gospel and realized that the message was at work in them. So that was modeling. They were, they were modeling motivation. They were modeling love. They were modeling encouragement. They were modeling faith in the Gospel. And all this, I suppose, can seem very daunting. Okay, yeah, you see a model and you think, okay, this is what we've got to follow. And then, uh, yeah, how can we do that? How, how possible is that? Is it fair to challenge a young church with this model of service to imitate? It's like asking a young athlete to win a medal when they've not been trained or prepared or where they haven't had the experience. Modeling is important, but it doesn't produce instant results. But there is an underlying assumption in all this, which I think we need to pick up from this chapter, which I think encourages us to feel that, yeah, the modeling is not just a matter of setting something up there and saying, okay, now follow that. And what I think is also suggested in this, pas in this passage is what I would call the God environment. Christians of a former day were motivated, were mo motivated by the fact that all they did and said was done before God. But there's a strong sense also, which we sometimes express in our songs, that God is not just, we're not just there before God, but God is there before us. He's going before us. He's behind us. He's beside us. And he's with us, within us. Paul says at the very beginning, with the help of our God, we dare to tell you his gospel in the face of strong opposition. And all through the chapter, he talks about being approved by God, seeking to please God, not other people. But then he shares that God environment with the young believers by saying, God calls us to live lives worthy of God, who calls you to his kingdom and glory. He calls us because he really wants us. There is a God environment. God is there. God is there in the preaching of the gospel, in the sharing of the lives. And he's there and he's calling and wanting people to come to him. Finally, there's that lovely word of thanksgiving. <laughs> Sorry. 
where it shows that they share in the grace of God. He notes how they have received the word of God. And he says, that word of God is at work in you believers. It's not just a matter of seeing these apostles and saying, oh, look at these apostles. Couldn't we, wouldn't it be lovely to be like them? Someone Like someone who might admire um, a great hero. Who's some, somebody who's very good at, at, uh, at what they are, you know, what they're doing. No, he says, God is calling you. He's calling you to his glory. God is at work in you too. So in, in effect, he says at last, let the work proceed in your life too. And let us also, let God's work proceed in us. Thank you for listening to the St. Nick's Durham podcast. If you would like to hear more sermons and teaching like this, then subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about St. Nick's, visit our website at stnicks.org.uk.